Welcome everyone, Stuart's my name, one of the elders here, and we're going to be uh, looking at this passage in Colossians, uh, but I'm going to just focus on the key concepts and then read the passage again at the end, so that'll be fun. And um, this is uh, topic is be kind and compassionate to one another. We've been looking at these one another passages. The interesting is that when people have kind of Right, and they have a, a theme that they keep coming back to. And this is one of the ones for the Apostle Paul. comes with some of the other writers, Peter and such. One another. Think about one another. And this year we're focusing on that concept of trying to help us as a community grow and be strong together, to be authentic in the way we relate together. And so we're just going to be peppering through these uh, months, uh, every now and then, a sermon on this kind of concept, how we think about relationships with one another. Now... Um, a few weeks back, it was Mother's Day, and so naturally I was thinking of my mum. She died some years ago. But I remember when we were little kids, one of the things we'd always struggle to think, what do you buy your mum for Mother's Day? You know, what present? And perhaps you've known that anxiety, perhaps still have it. Uh, I remember one year buying my mum, uh, not buying, I, I had no money. And so I found this little um, sort of stone, little um, like polished stone, quite colourful. might have been like a... An emerald or something? No, that wouldn't be it. No, like a, one of those things you dig up out of the ground up in like Lightning Ridge. Opal, Opal yeah, like really cheap. Uh, so this little one, I thought, oh, I can make my mum a ring. So I got a ring pull can. You know, in the old days they used to have those ring pull cans, and I, I kind of fashioned it and glued it on. And I was, I was staggered to notice my mum never wore it. <laughs> I just don't know what to do with that now. Anyway, we used to ask my mum every year, so mum, what do you want for Mother's Day? And you know the thing she would say is, I just want everyone to get on. I go, yeah, mum, that doesn't help. Well, we want to know what you want us to buy. Anyway, six kids, right? So just when everyone got on, that was a pretty rare event in our house. We are a pretty conflictual kind of household. And um, she, she just wanted peace. I wonder if, you know, your kids have asked you, you know, what would you like for a present? Or you've asked your parents. Just, just everyone get on, just peace. Now, in the Bible, peace is much more than an absence of war, right? It's a huge concept, the shalom of God. It's all about the blessing of God in our lives. But, you know, sometimes just not having war is not too bad a thing. And in a household like ours, to, to have a day of peace, I can now reflect back and think, yeah, that would have been a pretty good present for mum. I'm not sure we achieved it even on Mother's Day either. But uh, that's, that's the, kind of, um, the kind of thing that, that people can get on together, put up with each other. We were lousy in putting up with each other in our household. And what the Apostle Paul wants for us as a church is to get on with each other, to put up with it. Now, he wants much more than that too, much, much more. But at least that, that we could get on with each other. The uh, passages we're going to look at is um, this idea of being kind and compassionate with one another, as he says in uh, Ephesians 4.32. In the Greek, the, the idea of being kind and compassionate to each other means being kind and compassionate to each other. You know, that's what it means. That's what he wants. He wants us to be kind, to be nice to each other, to be thoughtful, and to be compassionate, to kind of put up with each other, to go, you know, they've done the wrong thing, but I can cope with that. I can understand that. I can enter into where they're at, that they've done the wrong thing here. And that that would be a kind of a thing that we'd be known for. That would that, be a thing that we do. That's who we are. And then when people would come in, they'd go, they're just nice to each other. You know, at one level, that's kind of not nearly enough. But at another level, that's quite a surprising thing. 
in lots of situations, that people would be nice to each other, be kind, compassionate, caring towards each other. And so um, there are many more far loftier things to be said about what the gospel is and what it is to be Christian people, but at least this thing. And what I like about this is it is just so basic and it also gives us a little clue, I think, to when things aren't right. You know, someone is a bit grouchy, is a bit short with another person. There's a little clue to something's going on. Either a way that we can show compassion and care because they're obviously stressed or a guide that there's something wrong in them that may indicate even a sin. And there's a way that we can relate together here that where kindness and compassion are an ideal that we have, that will be a guide and a, and a, a way into a whole range of other important things. It is interesting to see just how important an issue this is in Paul's writings to the churches. In the Bible, this comes up, this sort of stuff comes up again and again. You know, we're very used to the idea of be loving. That's, you know, a kind of bigger concept, and that's important, of course. But just to, even this idea. I couldn't help reflect. It comes in these passages when Paul's in prison. We've talked about this. Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians. He's in prison when he writes this stuff. You know, you, you just get a sense of, Betty's not getting much kindness and compassion where he is. Bet, I wonder how his jailers are treating him. Kindness and compassion would not be the thing. And yet as he reflects on how he wants the Christians to be, these new little churches and back in the first century when this all Christian movement was all just getting started, be kind and compassionate to one another. In um, Ephesians, Colossians, the focus, we're, we're going to be looking at a couple of verses from there. But in another one of these letters, Philippians, um, he writes to these two women, Euodia and Syntyche. We only know them because of this reference. And he says, can you just get on with each other? There's obviously some tension between these two. We don't know what it is. We don't know what it's about. And, uh, you know, I often reflect that in the form that these would be delivered, you know, we're so used to reading ourselves. We all read the Bible. But in the first day, when this was first read, this letter to the church in Philippi, it would have been someone read it out loud. And everybody is sitting here. And I always just imagine, you know, Euodia's sitting down here and Syntyche's sitting up the back there, you know. And oh, we've been named. What is that like? And what Paul expects is for them, and, and for them as a group, is to help these two women get on. That They've worked hard on the gospel together, but to get on and to agree together. I remember hearing this podcast. Um, I listen to different podcasts like we all, most of us do, I suppose. And uh, this is a kind of a business leader. And I've forgotten the company that he started. But it was a bit, you know, one of those very successful companies. Otherwise, why would you listen to the guy on the podcast? And uh, it, they were just, the, the interviewer was just exploring the sort of ethos that he had in his company. And they had, they had almost, I mean, they had lots of policies, you know, or formal policies. But their number one thing was, in our company, all our members will be nice to each other. You go, is that enough? Like, and he said, you know, my wife and I set the company up and we work really hard to be nice to each other as a couple. And we have stresses and difficulties and pressures and, you know, disagreements, but we work really hard to be nice. And we just wanted our whole company to be like that, to be nice to each other. And by God, it's not a bad guide, is it? You know, you think about all the things you don't have to say negatively. Were you nice when you said that? Were you nice to that person when you regarded them that way? When you, when you were tempted to do this? Were you nice to each other? I just thought, what an amazing little concept. And in a way, this is kind of like what Paul is saying about the church. Can you just get on? Like my mom, can you just have a, one day of peace? Can you, be, can you be nice, be kind and compassionate to each other? 
It's just such an interesting and simple concept. I think we are very nice to each other, mostly. And that's why we need to keep thinking about how is it we can be nice to each other? How can we be kind and compassionate? Because that's our message today. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another. In Colossians 3, the, the, the verse is, bear with one another. Put up with each other. Put up with each other. How many churches split and have all sorts of conflict and trauma and people live with it for decades after because people have not been nice to each other. They've had some issue where there's been a disagreement and they've not been kind. They've not been compassionate. And perhaps some of you have had that story, your own families, your own experience, where churches have torn themselves apart. And there's often a core issue that matters to people, but then on top of that, they are not kind and compassionate. And that's what traumatises people. Sometimes I think, you know, the be nice, be kind and compassionate might not seem enough. There's an interesting old story from uh, the Apostle John. So not the one who wrote this, but uh, John who wrote John's Gospel. And uh, he, he hung out uh, in his later years in the church in Ephesus. And it's an old man. He was probably the only one to have died of natural causes of all the 12 apostles. Interesting, isn't it? Most of them were persecuted. And, uh, but he, he died a very old man, we guess, you know, in his 90s or something. Um, and he would be brought out, you know, they'd have communion. And they'd have a, a little talk then, and we'd bring out the old apostle, and I don't know, they might have had to carry him or he was frail and he'd come out. And he would just have one very simple message week after week, every time. And he would say, brothers and sisters, love one another. And that was all he could manage. And then the, the little story that's written um, sometime later says that the, the elders of the church, the, the brothers and the leaders of the church, went to him and said, you know, we're just getting a little sick of this same message every time. How come you keep saying this same thing all, all the time? And his comment was, it's because this is the Lord's commandment. That's in fact what Jesus said. Love one another as I have loved you. This is the Lord's commandment, and if it alone is kept, it is sufficient. In other words, let's just focus on these really crisp, simple concepts of what it is to get on together. Sometimes I think we just need to be reminded of this kind of very basic thing in a church life. So that we, we have it there as a store of behaviour that will carry us through when things do get stressy, when there is complications. In my work, every, time, uh, every year around this time, uh, I say to my staff, we're coming up for a very stressful time. End of financial year is a, is a high work time for us. You know, we, we raise funds is one of the big things we do. And so a lot of donations come in. In fact, about, about a third of our money comes in the last month of the year. Think about how stressy that is. You know, we're all out ringing people and, and, and getting all these donations. Uh, millions of dollars come in. You know, uh, over a million dollars will come in this month, we, we pray. So that's very exciting. Very exciting, but it's also very stressy. And so I just say every year to the staff, we're coming up for a stressy time. And if you notice a quick email back, you know, short little response, don't get worried by it. Just be kind and compassionate is the kind of idea. Because we need that from each other at this time where so much is happening. And if someone hasn't responded to your email quite quickly enough, shoot them a text or something, don't get upset by it. Because it's just very easy. Christian people doing Christian stuff, praising the Lord, doing great things, but it's easy in times of pressure and stress to think about this. Well, let's us think about a few stresses possible here. Just imagine you're in the music team. This is no slight at our music team. I love our music teams, but I don't know what's going on there or the other teams in our church. 
Just imagine you're in there and one of the members is a little pushy about what they think should happen. What does it mean for you then, the non-pushy one at that time, noticing this, oh my goodness, look at that, how are you going to be kind and compassionate in that situation? Or say something a little more uh, complex where you, um, you're in your DNA group, you know the little subgroup, group, prayer group within your uh, gospel community? And you take a real risk and you share something. And then later on, a week or two later, you hear that somebody outside your group is aware of what you've said. Whoa. How do you cope with that? How are you going to be kind and compassionate in that situation? We pray these things don't happen, but what if it does? Well, say there's something in your Bible study, you know, you're looking at the scriptures and somebody says something and you just think, that's just wrong, that's just not the Bible, that, that's, that's an error, that's a heresy. How is it that they're teaching that? How do you act with kindness and compassion in that situation? Now, notice in each of these situations, kindness and compassion is not the only thing that's needed. There are other things that are needed too. And what I want to do is I just want to take uh, 30 seconds to look at each of these. And I want you to discuss in groups of uh, two or three, don't, don't move your chairs, just where you are. And just ask yourself, okay, what else would you need to do on top of kindness and compassion? Because we want that as the baseline. On top of that, what else would you need? So just next to the pers person next to you, if you're in a, a music group and there's a pushy member pushing their agenda or whatever it is, what else on top of kindness and compassion would be needed? I'll give you 30 seconds to chat. Okay, that's enough. We're going to solve this problem now. But you see, there's other things. Okay, next one. Where you shared something in your small prayer group, your DNA group, and, and then you realise somebody else is aware of it. On top of kindness and compassion, what else is needed in that situation? What kind of things would you do or say? To whom? To what? What's needed at that time? 30 seconds. Okay, that's all. Next one. These, these are quick process times. Okay, the next one is um, where you're in your Bible study, you're, you're looking at the scriptures, and somebody says something you think is, is heretical even. You know, it's wrong. It just isn't the way the Bible is. What else is needed there? Kindness and compassion plus what else? What would you do? What would you say? Okay, that'll do. Now, the point is here, what we often will do is go to the things that you talked about just then. That'll be our first starting point. And what I want our first starting point to be is kindness and compassion and then add those things on. So it's not that you one or the other, it. it's you've got to have both. But what we often will go to is the heart that we've got to solve this problem. We've got to, we've got to speak out against this, this error. We've got, to, we've got to confront that person and, and work out what's happened here. Why have they shared something they shouldn't have? You know, they've done the wrong thing. And that's where we'll often go to first. And I want us to somehow work out how to do this. This is not a kindness and compassion does not mean we don't have to work out that stuff. We do still. But we want to have both those things sitting together. And that's what will mark us as a people of love. That's what will mark us as a people who get what our relationship is like together. It takes a lot more to function with kindness and compassion than it first seems. Oh, just be nice. That seems pretty straightforward. But it's in the really difficult things that this is a thing that becomes really critical for us to think through. Well, it's not surprising that uh, Paul, in the same context as these verses, be kind and compassionate or uh, bear with one another, 
when he says those things, he talks about other stuff. Let me tell you about some of the other things he talks about. I'll just, just throw them out there. And you can see in the verses each side of this passage, in um, Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4, he talks about being self-controlled. It's pretty critical, isn't it? Being self-controlled. If you're going to pull off kindness and compassion while confronting something for having done something wrong or stand up and say, I think that's not what the Bible says, or hang on, you're being a bit pushy there. If you're going to say that, then kindness and compassion, you're going to need some self-control. He also talks about knowing that God has forgiven you. That comes up again and again in these kinds of passages, that God has forgiven you. You haven't got it right all the time. It's so much so Christ had to die for you, to save you. So not right were you. And so having that as a key part of how you think about your relationships sits there too. Another one which is interesting is the idea of not grieving the Holy Spirit. Isn't that an amazing thought? I don't know if you've ever grieved anyone who you, who you care about. You know, uh, the idea that you would do something and the person is just grieved within themselves. They are so sad and down that you've done that thing. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit, he says. And, and of course, he also references having the fruit of the Spirit, knowing that the fruit of the, the Spirit is life, is in you. They're the sorts of things that Paul talks about. Now, it's complicated because church is a group of complex people and, and often groups of different people, people who you would not normally have as your friends. Let me give you a little bit of missions history. It's very interesting stuff. Uh, a guy called Donald McGavran um, died, I think, 1990 or something like that. But he was a missionary in India, third-generation mi- mi- uh, uh, missionary, uh, American originally family, but um, became a missionary in India and was working, and he got sort of elevated up through his mission, and so he had a sort of leadership role of about 80 missionaries or something at one point. And he noticed that in some places the missionaries were doing great work and church was growing, and other places it wasn't. And not just within his mission, but in other places too. And then he, he realised that there was something going on, that if, if the, the Indian people that they were reaching out to, not just them, but other Indian missionaries as well, but whoever they were reaching out to, If they only had to cross kind of one barrier to become Christian, then it was more likely they would cross that barrier. If they had to cross two or three barriers, I'll explain what I mean by these barriers, then it was much less likely that the the church would grow and that it would be successful. And the sort of barriers he had in mind was, if you have to change what you wear to become a Christian, as well as change your faith in your Hindu belief to become a Christian, it was a harder deal. If you had to change the kind of pattern of life, if you had to change where you were going to live, then it was much less likely. And that was often how a mission was done. You know, you would not only become a Christian, but you would have to become a Westerner. This is is a classic problem in missions back in those more colonial era, uh, more colonial times. And so he realised that if you can just allow people to stay where they are, stay in their same basic culture, and, and then come to faith, and then try and work gradually to change the culture to be more Christian. The bits that need to change, other bits you just rejoice in, they're fine. Other bits don't matter at all. But if you can then work uh, longer term at changing the bits that need to change, then that's much better for growing the church. And he would see that some churches would grow 100, 200%, 300% in, you know, say, 10 years, and others would just be static. 
And this was a key concept. Then what he did was he, he uh, went back to America in his later years and he became the first professor of missions at Fuller Seminary in, in, uh, in California. It's one of the leading missions colleges still today in the world, uh, Fuller Seminary. And uh, so his ideas became incredibly important. Uh, and he came up with this little concept, the homogeneous unit principle. You know, the homogeneous, everybody the same. If you get a whole group of people all the same, it's much easier to see them come to faith than if you've got a bunch of different people all in together. Boy, this is an important concept when we think about church and what we're doing in church. Because it obviously makes sense. You know, if I walk into a room and everybody looks kind of like me, not, you know, face shape or something, but, you know, my kind of demographic, it's much easier to chat to them. You know, we've got things in common. You know, um, if I go into a room where people are very different from me, I actually like that another level, but you know what I mean? It's just kind of harder to kind of know what to say or discover who they are, that sort of thing. And for most people, they want to they come into places that look like them. And uh, this homogeneous, that everybody would be the same. One of the problems with the concept is it, it's kind of true as a way to find people into faith. But the difficulty is that's not the church that the Bible imagines. What the Bible imagines is all different types together. And in fact, uh, such a point is made of it that that becomes the thing that shows how great God is. That you can actually have slave and free together. Master and slave together. And in the ancient world, all drinking from the same cup, communion cup. They didn't know about germs like we do now. So they all would drink. It was a shocking thing in the ancient world that people would do that. And the people who had a Jewish faith, where the, the Christian faith had grown out of, and those who hadn't, that they could be together, was just as shocking for people. And that men and women, you know, women's status in those days, way down there and men way up here, that they could be together and respectful towards each other was shocking to people. It's the variation that comes in church that shows just how amazing God is. The little phrase, I just love it in, in um, Ephesians, Paul says, it shows the manifold wisdom of God. Isn't that beautiful? That there'd be manifold different types of people, all these different people, shows you just how amazing God is. So now think about kindness and compassion to people you don't know so well. Can't tell you how many stories I hear as I travel around in Australia and, and hear of different groups of people in churches. You know one of the great offences to an Anglo congregation when they generously welcome in a Korean congregation is the smells in the kitchen. Because Korean people cook this really strange smelling stuff if you're not used to Korean food. It is good. I can't want to get over it, guys. This is for the gospel. But there's little things like that all the time as I move around. I hear people. And so as we think about being kind and compassionate, we need to think, how am I kind and compassionate to those who are different from me, even within our kind of fairly blancmange, you know, uh, mountains, uh, suburban existence here? How do we think about the person who is a bit different from us? How do we show them kindness and compassion? I want to give you one little example of this, and, uh, and then we'll finish with a Bible reading and just reflect a bit more on the scriptures uh, and be, be done in a minute or two. My son-in-law is part of a church plant. He's started up in Newcastle. Uh, some of you will know him, Shem. Uh, my, uh, Shem and Grace, my daughter. And um, 
I've, I've been there several times, uh, just when we go to visit, and uh, what's interesting is it's in a very tough suburb, as we would say. Uh, mo it's nearly all a housing commission, people who are uh, drug affected, people who are uh, all long-term welfare recipients, people with a lot of mental illness, that's the, the, the people in that suburb. Curiously, some years back, a couple of years ago, they combined two churches. One was from a middle-class suburb, they got like doctors and people with jobs and that sort of stuff in that congregation. And they meet now in the suburb, where, where, which is the housing commission. What is it called now? Like, you know, public housing place. And so they have a, a congregation made up of what looks to me as the outsider to very different groups of people. Now, you know what is amazing to me is when you actually chat to people in the church, that's not how they view it. I do, because I'm the outsider. I look at it, and, and at one level, everybody kind of gets that. You can't help but notice this person is on welfare and is drug-affected and mental illness, and this person has got a good job and a car and a house, and etc. You can't help but notice that. But when they actually talk about them as a church, that's not the language they use. And it, it's, it's a thing they've got to work to and struggle around, but what a joy it is to actually see this is just what Paul had in mind. This is just what God has in mind is that people could be kind and compassionate to each other, could get on with each other, even across what such, to me, is quite a big barrier, quite a big divide. Just a little example, I think. Well, why would we do all this hard work? Why would we be kind and compassionate, even to people different from us, because they're part of the church with us? There is a deep theology, and what Paul talks about is he has this idea of old self and new self. And the thing that's the old self is before Christ had come into your life and changed you, before Christ had forgiven you and put the spirit within you, that's old self. And then new self, you're not perfect new self, but all of a sudden there's a different motivation, there's a different dynamic. God's spirit is within you at that point. It is the wonderful reality of the salvation of Christ that can make these things different. And what I want to do is I want to just read, and I'm going to read out, and I'm going to give you a little uh, listening task. So I'm going to read Colossians, the passage uh, similar to what uh, was read just earlier by Jabin. And um, what I want you to do is, if you're right-handed, whenever you hear anything to do with the old self, I want, to put, want you to put your left hand up, all right? Just, just on, sit them on your knee. You don't have to put them up high. Just on your knees, two hands on your knees. And um, just put your little left hand up, just like this. Just for you, you know, see so you're listening. All right, just left hand up. And whenever you hear anything to do with the new self, I want you to put your right hand up. Now, left-handed people do it the other way around, of course. The right hand's the bad one, and the left hand's the good one. Got it? I'm just trying to cater for everybody here. Anybody got anything other than two hands? No, great. Okay. I remember doing this once as a, um, I was teaching some acting skills. I used to teach this sort of stuff, did acting and things, and um, uh, just church stuff. And I, I, I had this idea, you know, take your left shoe off and sit on it and pretend you're a chicken and lay an egg. And one of the guys in the room didn't have a left leg or whatever the ones that I thought, no, how could you get that wrong, Stuart? <laughs> anyway, so if you've got two hands, please use them. And uh, if you're right-handed, anything, the old self stuff, bad, negative stuff, lifestyle, put your left hand up and your right hand up. Then the other thing I'm going to give you, three things, right? You can do it. The third thing is, whenever you hear anything... Um, about uh, when you hear a reason why things are different, a reason why you would change, a, a motivation for, for this change from old self to new self, I want you to nod your head. So I will say that, all right? Got it? So we've got two things happening. Old self, left hand up. 
Right hand up for good self, for new self. Let me read. I'll give you guides. I love it. You're all sitting there with your hands on your hands. This is like school. It's great. Okay, so this is, this is Colossians 3.3. 3. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You should be nodding at this point. This is a good thing that Christ has done for us, right? Taking us from old to new. Okay? You will also appear with him in glory. Isn't that amazing? What a motivation for changing your life, for being a different person. Okay, get ready. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. This is old self stuff. Get that little hand going up. Sexual immorality, uh, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Isn't it great to think there's a past? You used to walk in these ways. But now you must also rid yourselves of all things such as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed. Start getting that other hand going. Which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, start nodding, holy and dearly loved. Isn't that beautiful? What a motivation. You are holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves, get that other little hand going, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other. And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Did you do a little nodding there? You've been called to peace. You've been called to it. That's a motivator. God's calling you. Keep nodding. Let the message of Christ dwell richly in you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or do, deed, big nods now, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let me pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for the way... You turn us from an old self to a new self, that through Christ, his death and his, his resurrection, through the Spirit coming to our life, we can be these people. Help us not to be trivial about how important our kindness and compassion and love is. Help us to recognise where we're not that kind of person. Help us to work at it. We pray, Father, that our fellowship would be rich and deep and wonderful that there would be a, a grace in the way we relate to each other, that there would be a peaceableness, even in the really tricky things, the awkward uh, personal intercommunications, the, the areas where we are in conflict and have difficulty, help us to be kind and compassionate. Mark us out as those kind of people because it, it honours you and it's good for us. It's a witness to others around Help us in all of this, Father, so that we show the manifold wisdom of what you've done in Christ and in this world through the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.